but we've had we, we specifically asked our audience if they had questions about toys um, I know that one of the people on our live feature wanted to know do you have a favorite toy that you like to use working with very small children is there something in particular well I mean you know developmentally our kids have different interests at different ages um, actually our, our uh, entire play curriculum is organized in a way that kind of goes with the age of development and when you have younger kids um, a lot of the time they're very interested in just uh, what we call cause and effect toys so mm -hmm. toys that you can press something um, or you know move a um, button or whatever and the toy will light up or will uh, make some sort of music or something and um, as the child ages a little bit then children tend to get more interested in constructive toys so things that allow you to produce something like art and crafts type toys or those types of things and or Legos you know things that you can use to build and then uh, it isn't until and this will vary a, a great deal but it's you know past the age of I think three or so where we start to actually get into pretend type activity and pretend play toys and I think um, that tends to be one of the areas that our kids are very deficient in is just imagination and pretend and so uh, I think it benefits a lot of our kids if, if parents try to get them things that have to do with uh, dressing up or uh, you know becoming part of a character uh, puppets that type of thing is are useful toys that can help in a lot of different instructional things I do want to say that you generally for parents you should be careful not to um, if you're buying toys that are kind of have what we call self-stimulatory toys, you know, toys that have the propensity to encourage the child to just self-stimulate and not not socialize, then you might want to stay away from those toys because a lot of times our kids tend to become a little bit more, um, you know, intrinsic and, and don't interact and they just repeatedly uh, will do something with a toy that allows them to just self-stimulate in that fashion. Um, and toys that that uh, promote social behavior are probably a little bit more useful. Mm -hmm. um, we have right now, and I don't know how far we've developed this, but on iTunes, on the iTunes library, we have our store. Uh, we have um, um, what's called Camp Discovery, and this is sort of the beginning of us trying to develop games and applications mm -hmm. for kids. <clears throat> and so these are very basic, uh, just sort of, you know, drag and drop labeling type games um, for the very young, very, very young kids. But the reason we've developed these, and they're free right now, so I would encourage people to get those for their kids as well. But the reason that we did this is because, um, or what makes these games different from other um, online types of activities is that all of the procedures behind discrete trial are kind of programmed in mm -hmm. so that uh, you know the child will receive a, a stimulus and then distractors and then additional target stimuli and the rotation and the presentation of the uh, stimuli and what you see on the screen is kind of similar to what is, how a therapist would present things in yeah. that order um, and or in that seven step series that we do during discrete trial so that might be useful and as Absolutely. I said it is free 
Um, yeah, I know it is a difficult time. I mean, first of all, I think during the holidays we also, not only do we want to go all out for our kids and buy tons and tons of things, uh, but also it's the time where our kids start to take in massive amounts of sugar, <laughs> which is also something to be yeah. careful about right yes, now. Yes, absolutely. Right. And, and with the sugar comes all the artificial colors, right. too. And, right. and a lot of times uh, kids will have, you know, one color in particular that doesn't sit well. Not certainly not all kids, but some kids that will right. happen. Right. So, yeah, things to be watching out you for. You know, our um, Claudia, who is our main receptionist for mm -hmm. cards, she put together a really good list for Halloween which mm -hmm. was a list of all the uh, candy that that is you know less harmful let's put it that Lovely. way and it had it's gluten-free stuff uh, and uh, casein free stuff and she listed it as a huge list and she says which companies and so on and we should probably put that up somewhere for oh, our viewers we'd love to have that on our Facebook yeah, it was a really show, good list. I, I know that you know those companies then will we can continue to use it right. at a holiday time remarkable and and sort of keeping what well, somebody wrote in on Facebook and said and I don't know whether they're looking for a toy or just help for but you mentioned uh, social things uh, they're wanting help for young teens with emotional health problems connected with autism and occurring uh, alongside OCD and ADHD uh, so I don't know that we necessarily need to keep it in the context of toys because we're talking about teens but you know what kind of support would you advocate for yeah we're, and I'm you know I'm happy that next week I think is I think it's it next is next week. week and thank you for reminding sure, me sure we're doing a program our show will be completely about anxiety and of course OCD is very much related to anxiety. Um, it's, it is one of the toughest things. Um, it's not something that, at all that it, it possibly could increase during the holidays but it is a very difficult subject and um, it, there's too many factors involved uh, where I could give any kind of decent answer here that would be helpful but I do really suggest that if you have a teen who has anxiety or obsessive compulsive behavior, which is sort of an indication of anxiety, um, that you do get professional help because in a lot of uh, situations our teens um, just, we kind of overlook the anxiety or the OCD because it's not as bad as just pure autism or let's say other things that we've dealt with with our kids, but it is and it will get worse. It is it's pretty important to pay attention to symptoms of anxiety and to um, obsessive compulsive behaviors because they tend to actually get worse and turn into a depression after a while or even simultaneously yeah. so and um, there are really I mean you can depending on the level of the child you can get uh, a lot of help for the child a lot of times I feel for our adolescents uh, it's a lack it's just teaching our adolescents to understand certain things mm -hmm. uh, they, they misunderstand because of the the social um, deficit or the problems they have in reading social cues mm -hmm. they tend to misunderstand and they try to they tend to see things as being intentional or you know they, they feel more lonely than they should or um, they don't really understand that everything's fine they just they kind of misinterpret social things um, and once we teach them to interpret those things 
uh, more properly, it helps them, but not always because sometimes it, we're, they're just going through typical teen stuff. I mean, and a lot of teenagers go through a phase that's very difficult due to, uh, you know, performance anxiety or am I am I good enough? And as you can imagine, that's even more perpetuated with our teens. Sure. Um, I see that happening with our kids as they become more and more aware. They're very concerned about fitting in, mm -hmm. you know, and that is what leads to a lot of anxiety and depression, I think. Absolutely. So a lot of things to think about. And we're going to talk more about that next Wednesday. Yes. That entire show next Wednesday about anxiety. And you guys can start sending in questions. Uh, we've got a great question about helping things, toys and things to put in a room to put on the wall to help a 10 year old go to sleep. We're going to take a break and we'll come back and talk about that. And our guest in the next hour, Uncle Milton, is actually they specialize in this. So okay. you're going to love that. So stick with us. Welcome back to Autism Live. I love this. This is my very first question in French, and I'm very excited about it. I know just enough French to get myself in trouble, as you probably just heard. Okay, we wanted to start with a question that came in on our Facebook. I love it when you guys write in questions on the live feature in Facebook. Uh, somebody wants to know, what can I put in a 10-year-old's room to help sleep easier for sensory, like lighted decorative rope, sand, water, and I have a blocked a curtain to help with light, but what else? I mentioned that we're going to have a guest in the next hour that sort of specializes in this, and during the break I was saying what we had put in Jem's room, which is something that came out from Uncle Milton, and you were saying that it's a product that you're very familiar with. Yeah, and my your son, son had it as well, right? It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's called it's The called... Moon in My Room. Right, it's really, it's it's an actual, it's a circle, mm -hmm. and it changes uh, over the sequence of moon phases so it's a half moon and then becomes gradually a full moon and you can control it with a remote control and it, it's something uh, that kids like very much so it helps them stay in their room I'm not sure if it helps with sleep because the bigger thing with sleep is that you know one of the most uh, influential factors on sleep is just light mm -hmm. anything that produces light can interrupt sleep mm -hmm. and so um, the the thing I like about this uh, product is that it could have it could it, when you go to just a very partial moon, it has mm -hmm. very little light, mm -hmm. and that was very helpful for my son when mm -hmm. he was growing up. There are a lot of products right now that are just, uh, for instance, one one thing you might want to consider is I had done this also for my kids was um, I had gotten those um, stars that glow in the dark and mm -hmm. I had put it all over their ceiling, and so during the day they would get enough light that at night when the lights when I turned off the lights you could see them mm -hmm. but they wouldn't be so much that they disturb your sleep and they would gradually fade away but they were there for at least an hour after right. dark and they were beautiful you know mm -hmm. so my kids were really uh, looking forward to having the lights turned off so yeah. they could see the stars um, that's one thing music of course is something that really really helps with sleep so um, talking about sensory and how to calm children down um, there's again this has a lot to do with the level of the child mm -hmm. level of functioning of the child there is a application I don't remember the name of it exactly but basically you bring it up on your iPhone and you put your iPhone under the mattress uh -huh. and it will feel movements and when you have movements it will gently start to play a little music oh love that so that it kind of helps the child go you know calm down again so those clever. Types of things. there's so much so stuff clever. right now for sleep yeah and honestly and 
in the next hour when Uncle Milton comes in, as we mentioned, the moon in my room. But for younger kids now, they're gonna we're gonna give away one of the wall friends. They come in different characters. That's awesome. It's like the moon in my room that it goes into the wall, but it has different modes of light so that it gets dimmer. Super. And it actually with the remote they can have it talk to them. Right. And play some music. That's awesome. So it's yeah. incredible. And also, Shannon, I have to say that a lot of our kids do. Um, so if you kind of put pillows around the child and try to make mm -hmm. them feel very, yeah. um, I don't know, cozy or, you know, mm -hmm. like put the pillows very close to the child, um, they definitely, it influences their sleep because maybe they feel a little bit more secure. And um, smell, the sense of smell tends to also, that's why a lot of people like candles. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, candles are not really safe for our kids, mm -hmm. but there are... Uh, these little um, things that give off scent. I don't know. Uh -huh. you know they have flameless candles now, yeah. too. Oh, that's true. Yeah. No, but these are the ones that you plug it in smells. and they smell really yes. good. And certain scents um, can be conditioned to relaxation, and I think that's also very helpful for sleep. Very cool. And I just realized, sitting next to me, I have Read With Me Violet, yeah. and we have Read With Me Scout, too, that we're going to be talking about this with LeapFrog. Now, this is obviously for the younger kids. This child is 11 that you asked the question about, but this has a whole mode that it reads books with a child, and That's then you put awesome. it on the sleep mode, yes. and so that it just plays lullabies for a set period of time oh, and fantastic. then shuts off, oh my God. and all the interaction portions of it when it's on sleep mode uh, won't happen so that the child can cuddle it and it won't start talking to them. I should get one of those for one of our supervisors oh, who decided maybe that's awesome. It's, this this, that is, are out this now. thing is absolutely, I'm not going to trigger it because it has all these little things and it will play all these little tunes and we're going to wait awesome. and talk about that with LeapFrog when they're here in the next hour. Uh, okay, I wanted to go to uh, a question about uh, skills because as you know we're giving away a skills subscription in this hour. Uh, for Dr. Doreen, I'm currently a skills user and I'm loving it. I have currently worked out about 27 hours per week of therapy with my child. My question is what amount of hours, how many uh, programs should I be doing at one time? My child is very quick learner and is running through programs quite well. Great. I'm currently focusing on language, social, and motor. I've just started peeking into the play lessons because I know that is important. My child is in kindergarten and I feel like I need to also tackle academics as well, but I'm unsure of how much we, in capital letters, can handle. His teachers are concerned mainly when it comes to him being able to answer WH questions when a story is involved, which goes beyond me simply asking, what is this? It seems like the kindergarten curriculum has changed as they are learning about many abstract things my child just isn't ready for. Any advice you can give is so appreciated. Thank you. Great question. Yeah, great question and thank you for writing in because it makes me feel so good that there are parents that are using skills and that it's useful to them. So um, a few things, I'm assuming if your child's in kindergarten or about to go into kindergarten, we're talking your child's age is somewhere around four, maybe five, mm -hmm. and you definitely should be doing some work in the language curriculum. I don't know if you noted the, did they say? Uh, they said language, social, and motor great. and just starting to dip in to play. play. So you will want to do a lot of, uh, so your focus with about, let's assume you have somewhere around 27 hours that's uh, over the course of the week, let's say about 25 hours, even a couple hours for you to review and stuff. And so you're talking about, if we try to go five days a week, you're talking about some, let's, if, if we go, you know, four or five hours a day is what you have. I would do 
sessions that are approximately no longer than two hours in length each so I would do two hours then a break two hours or something like that or an hour and a half uh, then an hour break so typically like you'd want to go let's say 9 to 10 30 um, and then or if you have school then a lot of this sort of stuff would be happening after school but you do about an hour and a half session and then you'll have about an hour off mm -hmm. or an hour and a half off and then you'll come back and do another hour and a half so you kind of sort of want to fill the day that way and um, in in about 25 hours you should be able to do a pretty decent full program which means that you will have maybe one motor program um, one play program um, probably three or so three or four language programs um, one or two social um, if you are beginning to get worried about academic you could add an academic although your child is pretty young the program that you talked about the WH is called is in um, uh, uh, reading comprehension or listening comprehension and I think listening comprehension it would be in it's either an academic or social I'm not sure where it is um, you, I think it's an academic. Is it an I'm academic? pretty sure it's an academic. Right. And that lesson is there, so that can take guide you through that. But it does have the prerequisite of the basic WHOs, yes. Um, and then you would want to answer the questions for the EF cognition curricula areas so that you can see if your child has some deficits there and you want to start working on those. Um, and uh, yes, play, of course, you should have, as I said, one. The, the key, when you go through the first few years of intervention at about 25 hours, you're always going to be heavier on language and social than anything else. Some of our kids have more of a deficit in other areas, and then we want to try to catch them up. Obviously, you're going to want to do maybe one program or two from ad adaptive as well, and that really just has to do with your child's abilities, I assume. The child's already, um, for instance, potty trained. That becomes very important. But uh, And you'll see as you start going into some of the adaptive stuff that it'll also help with when your child is actually having to get up, get dressed, get ready, brush teeth, all that sort of stuff comes in as well. But really, um, the more you focus right now on uh, language and social, I think those are the two areas that your child's going to benefit from. And then, of course, academic, we want our kids to do well when they start kindergarten. Um, and then, you know, for academic, there's a lot of other stuff out there. If your child has free time and they want to play, I would really recommend that you do go on um, the, let's say, iTunes uh, store, look at some apps that are out there. There's a lot that your child can do just to learn. Like these, a lot of these games will yeah. teach you um, basic academic stuff as well. There's a lot out there. Yeah, this, in fact, uh, you know, I don't want to give it away because we're going to demo this later, but in, in when you, this comes with five books and um, it reads the book to your child right. and it asks a question at the end of every page. See, that's perfect. That's that, perfect. Deals and with a lot of the Leapfrog actually do that. The Leapfrog programs all do that. Yeah, they are yeah. really brilliant. Yeah, they're very, very good. Yeah, really So remarkable. those things will be very helpful. I mean, you know, the Leapfrogs has done so much with um, teaching our kids. They really have fabulous products for this type of thing. And uh, yeah, but you know, I, um, I'm so glad to hear that this parent is enjoying skills and 
going forward this and, way. And I wonder if they realize that the Camp Discovery app that Dr. Grandpache was talking about earlier uh, dovetails into skills that you can actually have, like in, in addition to your 27 hours that you're doing, you can have your child spending, like if That's you're cooking right. dinner and uh, you right. want to get a little bit more time in, you can give the iPad or whatever to the child. The right. child can be playing on Camp Discovery. And if you put in your skills ID, it will track what their responses are uh, as well into skills. It's kind of remarkable. So uh, another benefit if you're using um, skills to be able to use Camp, you don't have to have a skills account to use Camp Discovery, no, right. but it, it will it will uh, be compatible with it if you are. So pretty remarkable. Uh, it's an exciting time for a five-year-old, and I, I, so I think much. it's great oh that you're, you're getting a lot of stuff done. And great, great question. Uh, would you like to take a break? Or are you ready for another Oh, I'm one? fine. Okay. Uh, hi, Dr. Doreen. I have an 11-year-old son with high-functioning autism. One of our issues is that when we take him anywhere, he will walk up to anyone and start talking to them. He will introduce himself with his full name, age, and where he goes to school. Then he will continue to start talking about whatever subject is on his mind at that moment. Mm. He usually targets adults, but not always. He has no concept of stranger danger. Mm -hmm. He has seen videos done role modeling, been told repeatedly not to talk to strangers. Nothing seems to break through to make him understand. This is causing embarrassing moments and also terrible stress on us because we're afraid he's going to talk to the wrong person and be gone forever. Please help. Very serious uh, question. Yes, very serious and very well um, worded because you basically went through and explained several different areas that all come together and produce this this problem um, to begin with I you know when, when we try to approach these situations and we don't break it apart and we just try to model for the child you know don't, we don't want you to talk to strangers it doesn't really make sense to our kids and they don't uh, generalize it to all different situations so they tend to do the same thing over and over but um, you really defined well and divided all the different areas and and I'd like to go through your email again because you listed several key things and as you went through I was like okay we have that program we have that program we have and I truly recommend that you do go to skills and you do get a, um, a subscription to skills it will guide you and be very helpful to you because all of these areas are addressed there and as we go through your email I'll tell you exactly what they're called and where they are so okay. Shannon could you read that just again the okay. area just uh, so starting with one of our issues is that when we take him anywhere he will oh, walk right. up to so anyone and start talking to going up and talking to strangers that in itself is is a there's a whole program I think called levels of friendship and it takes you through and explains to the child through multiple steps and none of these programs are one time thing there are things that are multi-step so there's several different levels to each of the programs that I'm about to mention so this one for instance uh, makes you understand that your behavior towards people is different based on who they are and um, first it helps you to identify if someone is a friend a best friend an acquaintance 
um, a, rela a relation, you know, a, a, a parent's friend, um, an adult that you have to respect, like a teacher or something. And it helps you learn how you behave differently with each one. So that's one aspect of that. The other aspect of it is actually having the appropriate conversational skills. So I think your child will go up and start talking to them. He'll start with telling them his full name and right, that's stuff that's part. not appropriate, mm -hmm. right? So that is in the social curriculum because it really does show teach our kids how to, um, what they look like and how much information you should actually present. And I think that's called um, greetings and salutations. salutations. Greetings and salutations. And that program will help your child understand what is an appropriate way to greet those different people. Now, talking about his own subject, I think, because he goes on and talks about what his, yeah, his favorite subject. He will continue to start talking about whatever subject is on his mind at that moment. Right. And that uh, leads to, that shows that he has sort of a theory of mind deficit or a cognitive deficit, social cognition deficit, which means he's not really thinking how people perceive him. He's not quite aware of, of their minds, their perceptions. So he doesn't have that kind of, uh, you know, embarrassment or ability to see that people would see would consider this odd or would not be interested in his subject mm -hmm. and that all comes from the entire area of the program called cognition mm -hmm. and when you go into cognition you'll see a whole ton of lessons and just multiple areas having to do with uh, the deficit of perspective taking understanding other people's perspectives and in order for him to really understand that and all of your your whole problem has to do with the, the his inability to see other people's perspectives but in order to teach a child that uh, you really have to start with very basic things like what is your sensory perspective, your visual perspective, what are the things you see and I see and noticing that we have different visual perspectives, different things we hear and then that goes on to different things we uh, learn or believe or um, you know think and then that gradually just takes you into how everybody's mind is separated and then interests you know and what our desire are, what our preferences are, what our interests are. These are individual lessons and they all have multiple steps and your child really needs to go into that because I'm pretty sure that with an awareness of other people have their own minds and they have their own interests, he would probably uh, be a little bit more cautious about the conversation and what he's throwing out at people. Now having said so that's what another area. Then on top of that, there's a whole different area of conver social conversation in our social curriculum, which has to do with teaching all the kind of uh, logistical issues with conversation. And they have to do with uh, learning to look at other people's uh, facial expressions, for instance, and understanding when someone is bored or thinking you're weird or you know wanting to walk away and how do you react to those situations and how do you help maintain a conversation how do you help repair it if the conversation gets cut off or goes somewhere else how do you end appropriately how do you start appropriately all of these are within the social um, conversation lesson so i mean i named probably six or seven areas of our curriculum and they're all very very big areas so yeah. 
that's why you would really, really benefit if you go into skills. Yeah. Um, you, and what, this is the this is the key to skills. You know, it gives you all of these things, but it doesn't give them to you all at the same time. It's kind of if you just go through and answer the questions in in the. Um, index or the assessment area of skills, you'll see that it'll identify for you of all the things I just named and hundreds more that are in skills. Yeah. It'll tell you kind of which ones should be taught first and what order so that by the time your child gets to the most complex, which is really how should I have a good conversation with my peers, right. um, they've already gotten all the building blocks to, to get there. Yeah, it is it's Otherwise, really it's amazing. Just too, it's just too complex a skill to want to be able to teach a child through modeling. I mean, they have all these other things they need to know before that. So. Yeah, uh, really remarkable. And again, if you go to skillsforautism.com, you can go there and you can do a trial. There are two different kinds of trials that you can do that I believe are 14 days. One where you get access to the whole program for 14 days. If you register with a credit card on the 15th day, it will charge your credit card if you don't cancel it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to do that, because some people don't want to give a credit card to look at something, there is uh, another trial that you can do without a credit card for 14 days. It just doesn't give you access to everything, but it gives you a great ability to go in and look around and see what is there to see exactly what Dr. Grandpache is talking about. Uh, I use skills at home, uh, and I, I have found it to be the single greatest empowering tool that isn't in the body of a person uh, for mm -hmm, autism. That's great. So, um, well, you know, new, new stuff's coming out soon, too. And I'm very excited book, about yeah. that. So we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back with more of Dr. Grampiche answering your questions for Ask Dr. Doreen. Stick with us. Welcome back to Autism Live and to Ask Dr. Doreen. We had our very first question come in in French. It's very exciting to me. Uh, Dr. Grampiche has looked at it, and uh, she does not slaughter it like I do, but we'll, we'll give you the translation, uh, which I believe is, how do you get an infant to take an object? Mm -hmm. An infant um, with autism. Right. And bonjour, bienvenue. For the, our French audience, that's very nice of you to join us. Um, so there are, again, there's many different ways to teach um, taking an object or giving an object, and um, the basic, the the easiest way. I mean, any book you you uh, take right now, any book that you purchase on. Uh, ABA or Applied Behavior Analysis will definitely uh, guide you through the basic, what's, it might be called receptive uh, commands, it might be called object labels, um, some people will just call it give me, um, it will, it could be, I mean, there are different names, but essentially this is the, the very easiest thing to teach. And um, even our uh, camp discovery program on iTunes library also does that. It doesn't help the child give, but it does help the child identify. And so giving um, is just a form of touching or it's a response that we consider to be receptive because it doesn't uh, involve 
language on behalf of the child. So what you do is you just present one object in, in front of the child and you will tell the child to either give the object or touch the object and you can prompt it, you can model it you, and it's just one object and you can model it from uh, just having the child's hand and putting the ch child's hand on the object all the way to just looking at it which is a very minimal prompt. Once the child uh, has consistently learned to touch the object then you will bring in another item which is a distractor mm -hmm. and you, you won't label that item so you will just put it on the table so let's say we're teaching cup. I've got an extra dose. And I will first I'll have the child touch cup, touch cup, or give cup. And after that, um, I'm bringing another object on the table, but I'm still asking for cup only. So I'll still say touch cup or give cup. And then I'll rotate the positions. So touch cup, and then the child will touch. And you want to make sure you're not prompting the child anymore. And once you've done that a few times, and you might even have another distractor, you don't necessarily have to, but you're still asking for cup. Then you put cup away and you'll bring a new object in. And this new object will now have a name again. So pen, and you'll start alone and you'll do the same thing. So touch pen, touch pen. And then you'll bring a distractor in again, an object that you're not naming. And you'll rotate that physically and the child will give you pen. And then the real, <clears throat> the true measure of learning is when you rotate, this is random rotation, the first two target objects that were taught. So that is cup now and pen. And so you'll present them together and you'll 